Hey, Jason, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great, Dan. It's good, good to have you back here. We missed a little while, and we got a lot to uh, a lot of great stuff to cover. A lot of great stuff. Well, uh, we had the holidays. That's true, yes. and uh, it is fair to say it's been two or three weeks since we've recorded mm-hmm. uh, one of these, right? But we're back. We're back, and that's what counts: is that we're large and in charge. Well, we have, um, you know, we have actually something from the last podcast that Dean Bubbly on Twitter decided to tweet at me disagreeing with something i said oh oh well let's jump right in what happened what did you say and what 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 were the comments well i do want to do this where of course um let me see if i can find it of course dean thank you uh for listening but he said on november 16th Mm -hmm. completely disagree with jason h latest podcast tries to make a false distinction that, quote, cloud is embedded application environment for the internet versus, quote, edge is the embedded application environment for mobile. No. Mm. Only mm. a tiny percent of edge deployments and opportunity have any link to mobile networks. Um, I agree with that statement. And what I'd like to say, Dean, is I apologize. Um, you have to understand that I am not a mobile networking expert i'm slightly more expert than dan and um no it's true (laughs) and by slightly by slightly you mean a whole lot um yeah when i when i say things like edge is an embedded application environment for mobile um i'm i'm thinking of it most commonly from a device perspective uh i'm not really and see the funny part about it is there's this whole history apparently in the mobile industry of uh, this cellular versus Wi-Fi versus this versus that. And like when I first went to Ericsson, yeah. it'd literally be these like leadership meetings where people were just fighting over it. I never understood it. And uh, so, um, and I think what Dean's pointing out here is that things do end up on a fixed line network where you plug something in. They do end up on Wi-Fi and they very rarely end up on cellular. So it almost, you know, mobile networks, to Dean is synonymous with a cellular network. Um, right. I regrettably make the mistake very often in thinking of mobile as just wireless because the devices move. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't sure. really. Sure. Um, you know, I think of it as a multi-standard, multi-band, multi-protocol. I don't really candidly distinguish between Wi-Fi and cellular like people in the industry typically do because uh, my viewpoint I mean, my entry point to sort of the mobile industry was as an end user. And none of us give a shit which wireless networks on our device, right? And whether, like when you make a phone call, whether it's happening over cellular or your in-home Wi-Fi and the fact you're in-home Wi-Fi is plugged in somewhere, you don't really care, right? Who cares? Uh, And... um, and you know, I, I wonder if if industry people even they care do because they, so it like turns I'm, out they do. You know, it turns out they do because yeah, you know, I guess you they know, do. Dean lives in this world of consulting and analyzing and talking to people that truly care. Apparently, uh, and um, I, I, I truly appreciate that. Um, now, when I say there is this broader thing called the internet that's been driven by web, mobile, social applications over the last fifteen years. And that clouds, the public clouds, I'll, I'll put an adjective in front of it, are the most commonly used embedded application environments for the internet. Um, then I would say that Edge 
is the embedded application environment and all the other networks. Um, and uh, to me, those networks are most commonly consumed by wireless devices. There may be a wire. There's always a wire somewhere in the network, but the sort of end application mm -hmm. is really what tends to be a lot of my perspective, you know, because when we even started, um, you know, when Deutsche Telekom started Mobile Ajax, you know, because, of course, the, the founder of, you know, Mobile Ajax, uh, you know, in mm -hmm. that, you know, a lot of the, um, you know, when I almost think of, like, the founding issues or the founding questions of it were you know, along this idea of, um, one, is there any unique defensible long-term definition of quote unquote being out edge native? And, and as you know, I've talked about before, uh, having some degree of location specific and topology specific requirement for your computing and data needs is the closest mm -hmm. thing I can come to around why you'd call something edge native, which is different than why you'd call something cloud native. You know, and in, in people use the cloud native term, it becomes these things of your application should be deployable on any infrastructure regardless of ownership or any sort of knowledge around the reliability or resiliency of that underlying infrastructure. You know, like the cloud could go down, a data center could burn down, your, your shit's supposed to still work. Right. And so in a lot of ways, this sort of right once run everywhere mentality has been the basis of cloud native. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and, and how web apps go and let's make this stateless and it's restful and it's sort of everything else. It means that your stuff's off running in the cloud. You don't really know where it is. You don't care. And so for me, that sort of unique defensible definition of being edge native is there must be categories of applications where you do care where they run. And you do care about the topology of things that are there. And you do have to know those things for particular reasons, whether it be performance, sovereignty, privacy, you know, some sort of reason in there. But that, to me, is the most top-level, unique, defensible definition of edge-native versus cloud-native. Those are sort of the difference. And you can almost sit around and say that, quote-unquote, edge to me is about this location and topology-specific computing and data needs. Like, that's what it right. is. I mean, you my, know? And then my entry point... I was just going to add, Jason, my entry point to like cloud native comes from the standpoint of a software developer, really, where you're thinking about scalable applications. You're thinking about, um, you know, really trying to exploit elasticity, resiliency, flexibility, scale yeah. and and say, I built this thing. Yeah. I don't care. You know, I don't care what's running it or yeah. even where it's running. I just know that it is running. Yeah, and right. when there needs to be more of it, it magically happens. Yeah. And when there's less of it, that's yeah. what we and need. I, and I know? feel that I, I, um, <clears throat> I made a mistake, um, in that I basically, apparently just saying mobile networks means cellular. Uh, and, right. um, it, it's a, it's, it's like a, you know, I double check this with, you know, former Erickson colleagues and apparently it is a trigger word. Like it's a trigger word for some people and, um, <laughs> really? and it's either because it's like the command to the police dog to go after, you know, or it's like oh. something that's been shouted as that dog's been beaten over and over again. So it like triggers a wide range of uh, emotions and things in people depending, depending on what it is. Uh, however, uh, again, I just think that edge applications 
uh, tend to be on devices that connect to things wirelessly, the device sort of mm-hmm. like perspective. Uh, the applications and their back ends have a requirement for location specificity and often topology specificity from a computing and data sort of needs that are in there. Uh, and, you know, a lot of what we've been trying to do from a mobile X perspective is from that perspective of how do we make edge and cloud easily consumable by applications and devices while sort of satisfying all these operational requirements. And then when we head into the edge operator, how do we make it straightforward for anybody that runs a, a network to become an edge provider and ideally mm-hmm. use unique metadata that they have and so on like that. And, um, you know, it was founded by DT, which is a multi-access, multi, you know, protocol, multi this and that. I mean, there's not a lot of distinction uh, around what things we go, whether it be um, Wi-Fi, cellular, fixed line, mm-hmm. something, something. And uh, I'm just not a sophisticated person in the mobile networking space to, uh, and I have no historical triggers on those differences. So I hope that clarified it for uh, uh, Dean and we'll reply back on, on Twitter when we get this posted. And I um, apologize profusely for my um, lazy uh, use of uh, mobile. <clears throat> Takes a big man to admit when he's wrong. That's right too, though, but whatever. <laughs> it's a joke. I was just joking. Yeah. No, I think this is great. I think it's great. And we love the feedback. You're Jason H on Twitter. Yeah. People want to hit you up with it. Or you can go to livingontheedge.show and there's a little contact link. But we love to get the feedback. Love to get that. You huh? disagree with something Jason says? I mean, let him know. Oh, yeah. And believe me, it's my fault. <laughs> what? Well, we've, we, we, it's true. We had some big news. Yeah, we got so much news going on. So Lay much on news. Me. The big, big news. Ericsson to acquire Vonage for $6.2 billion, <laughs> And they're going to use that to spearhead the creation of a global network and communication platform for open innovation. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got a quote. You're friends with the, uh, with the president and CEO over there, aren't you? Uh, I mean, we, we've, we've, we were, uh, hanging out, you know, well, I mean, technically I, 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 I worked for him towards the end of it. I wouldn't yeah. describe us as, uh, friends. I mean, maybe well, the quote is from him is the core of our strategy is to build leading mobile networks through technology leadership. This provides the foundation to build an enterprise business. The acquisition of Vonage is the next step in delivering on that strategic priority. Vonage gives us a platform to help our customers monetize the investments in the network benefiting developers and businesses. Imagine putting the power and capabilities of 5G, the biggest global innovation platform, at the fingertips of developers. Then back it with Vonage's advanced capabilities in a world of 8 billion connected devices. Today, we're making that possible. So there's a lot of work uh, or discussion rather about the network APIs for messaging, voice, video, uh, exposing these APIs because Vonage, I guess, has a really strong developer ecosystem for that kind of stuff. So what applications are being built with Vonage technology? That, what are they talking about here? So Dan, that's a great question. It's a great question. And um, we can, uh, uh, I think. I think one of the better little write-ups um, I saw about this is actually what, what Dean Bubbly posted on his own LinkedIn, not to, not to double, double bubbly. 
<laughs> I like Double that. Bubbly. That's excellent. Um, He's going to like that. So we do that. So, uh, um, so I think, you know, on the, um, um, and we'll get back because I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm, I was stealing from Dean, you know, uh, bubbly, you know, around some of the comments, but he made, no, made some no that, that are there, but, that. but, uh, um, the key, the key thing for me in the, in the, in the, in the press release is it was bullet point number four, which is that the transactions expected to be accretive to Ericsson's uh, earning per shares and free cash flow, mm. um, before M and A from 2024 onwards. Um, um, I think uh, Ericsson's run by, uh, you know, some good financial people and uh, mm -hmm. some smart former McKinsey people and the like. And um, uh, anything they can do to, quote unquote, be accretive to Ericsson's earning per shares and free cash flow is probably a good idea. Right. So um, so it's, it's, it's one of those uh, deals that... Um, makes um uh financial sense uh for them probably uh and it's at least um a possible entry point for them to have customers that are not mobile network operators uh and it's potentially a place where um as i said there's a lot of people that build on top of this you know to, you know, communications platform and the like, uh, you know, in that, uh, and, um, um, you know, a lot of what goes on there, as it said, is this unified communications as a service and contact center as a service and, and, you know, meaning there's zoom like assets in there. And then, you know, that company that zoom was trying to buy around contact center. So, th so there's, there's things in there, which is, which is sort of good. Um, I believe that any ability to connect this to 5G, any attempt to connect this to 5G mm, is attempt, stupid. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it isn't the case. Uh, and um, I think, uh, or I hope that Ericsson the parts of Ericsson that do these things like managed services and other stuff and the people that do like outsourced call centers for customers. <laughs> okay. I hope mm -hmm. that all the possible internal users of this platform at Ericsson fucking use it. Cause one of the biggest mm -hmm. problems Ericsson has is one of the business units does a deal. And the other two business units spend their whole entire time shitting on it and not supporting it like they should. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's one of the sort of things where, um, I don't know if Ericsson is one of the biggest consumers of the bonus communication platform, right? So if they were doing like a billion dollar call center business and this is the back end they used, great. Okay. It makes a makes even more sense. If they're not that, they'd better become that. Right. And so, you know, I think yeah. there's got to be a lot of things where um, if the core of Ericsson itself and Ericsson's own use of this and Ericsson selling this across every possible unit that they could sell this in, um, if they actually execute 
across business units uh, in a good way, uh, then great. It makes it makes a ton of sense. Um, I think, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, <clears throat> read what uh, Dean wrote, if that's okay. And and again, go to Dean Bubbly, and you probably want to search something like I've been thinking more about this week's Ericsson acquisition of Vonage. Um, and also the wider trend in telecoms around dynamic network slicing, API exposure, 5G monetization. And he says, I really hate mm-hmm. the word. I'm, I'm, and I'm reading him out loud, by the way. He said, one of the issues I see is the telecom industry starts from the principles that it should be a quote-unquote seller of APIs and capabilities to others. The belief is that many enterprises and developers will be willing buyers and consumers of network or communication function. While this is true up to a point, it misses another vital perspective. Telcos are also going to be buyers and consumers of APIs and cloud platforms themselves. And like other companies, they want the scalability, flexibility, specialization, and cost control that this brings. This has long been the case for things like credit checking or even just using third-party mapping to help customers find retail stores. But more recently, we've started to see a shift to operators using public cloud platforms like AWS and Azure, either for IT and BSS OSS systems, network core functions, and so on. And he's like, in the long term, it's far from clear whether telcos will or should be running a net or positive level of API import versus export, right? This, this, and now I'm going to stop reading Dean for a minute. Go back to my commentary. This goes back to the same mm-hmm. thing. Ericsson had better be one of the largest users of Vonage communication platform themselves. They historically tend to not do that, but like, there's a lot of things that makes a ton of sense in there. Okay, if you know, like this, this was probably purchased in, you know, because I think there's a, there's still a. Um, a business unit for networks. There's like a business unit for uh, digital services, which all the other stuff sits in. There's like a business unit for managed services, and I think there's a business unit for like emerging businesses or something like that. That uh, um, um, uh, OSA runs. Uh, I think I think that's her first name. Uh, and and um, um, you know, it's you know, it's probably it was probably acquired there because these things do fundamentally still sit in a business unit. You know, at the end of the days. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but in particular, um, if the digital services business unit that's run by Jan Carlson, I think still is not actively driving a synergy effect with this acquisition. And if the managed services business unit is not using it as part of its call center thing, and it's not being driven very top down, which is, which is being driven top downs, not what, Ericsson and candidly Swedish companies in general is good at, you know, versus like say a Japanese company, you know, where mm-hmm. top top down can be very normal. You know, they're yeah. If it's not being driven like that, um, you know, then it's one of those things where, you know, a decade from now it's you know, we'll we'll uh, you know, be shruggers or whatever. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's got you know, it's like, you know, if it's an okay financial story, fine. I guess. Um, and, um, but if you look at the um, historical tendencies for Ericsson's ability to execute on this type of acquisition, and we were sitting in Vegas, um, um, wow. I'd, I'd bet against them because that's, that's where the odds are going to lie. However, as we know, all difficult things that are worth doing are difficult. <laughs> so if they step up and do the hard things and work hard and drive a con- company-wide synergy effect here, 
then this could be a genius acquisition. It could be. Yeah. I mean, you know, nobody wins a Nobel Prize for doing something easy and obvious, right? Mm -hmm. It's just that for every Nobel Prize winner, there's like a thousand other scientists that did things like this. <laughs> so yeah. we'll see. You never know. I mean, well, you know, particularly, you know, you spend enough time as an entrepreneur and the like. I mean, um, um, great. All the power to them. Best of luck, guys. Everyone else thinks uh, it's probably a bad idea, but I'm rooting for you. Now, related to this, mm -hmm. we've got AWS, gigantic announcements around private 5G and everything else. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, do they've you announced about that, Dan. What do I think? Well, they've announced a private uh, 5G preview, and the write-up from their sort very, of press release says... Very googly. I wonder if it's going to be in beta for 12 yes. years. <laughs> <laughs> With just a few clicks in the AWS console, customers specify where they want to build a mobile network mm -hmm. and the, net, the network capacity needed for their devices. Nice. AWS then delivers and maintains the small cell radio yeah. units, servers, 5G core, and radio access networks, what, what you, Jason, would call a RAN, <laughs> yeah. software and subscriber identity modules. SIM cards required to set up a private 5G network and connect devices. AWS private 5G automates the setup and deployment of the network and scales capacity oh, on God. demand to support additional devices and increase network traffic. No upfront fees or per device costs. They're talking about terminals. Yeah. <laughs> With AWS private 5G and customers yeah. pay only for the network capacity <laughs> and throughput that they request. So yeah. give me an example of... Who would set up a private 5G network in this way? What wow. kind of company would do that? And why would they do that? So as we get triple bubbly here. Um, <laughs> no, uh, we're not going for triple bubble. Triple bubble. Triple bubbly. Going triple bubbly. Bubbly. The, uh, no way. Oh, yeah. Like a, it's the best, only the best champagne on today's podcast. <laughs> we should get Dean on here. <laughs> Yeah, Let's get him by on the way, here. Dean, if, if you, if I mean, you get if to this point in the podcast, um, we are inviting you as a, a guest. Yeah, you have you, been, been invited, invited and we can, we can, and then you can, we can bring you in. You can, uh, my, myself as a, a simpleton when it comes to mobile networks and Dan as a complete moron. Um, it'd be, it'd be great to, uh, <laughs> um, uh, you know, get, get, get an education and some things in there and, you know, talk about I some of the subtleties. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, and, um, so, uh, I think, you know, uh, and again, the five, to me, this is, um, uh, anybody who would want to deploy a wireless network would look into using this. It, it's just a different alternative from, um, you know, how you're doing a wireless network than Wi-Fi, I guess. Right. So, um, yeah. and, uh, you know the uh, Amazon, but I mean, is this is this a sales arm of a company that they are sending people out into the field? Is this a, a device deployment? Is this a thing to control? Uh, the typical thing, know, people, light, people, lights. Uh, yeah, but it could be um, weather tracking. No, no, no. Like, what are we what are we doing with this? You, you ever been in an office building and uh, your phone doesn't work? Imagine sure. being in an office building and your phone works. I mean, that simple. Yeah, yeah simple that's like that? it could be that simple of a use case. Yeah, yeah. And then okay. now imagine that phone is not your phone. It's a robot in a factory. You know, it's pretty. Yeah, cool. yeah. So I think it's and then, and there's a ton of like stuff, but it's but it's basically um, that you're trying to set up a wireless network that always works, 
in mm-hmm. the context of in in the specific location that you need to do that in, and it's for all the reasons. But it literally is, um, you know, imagine just imagine getting in the elevator in a hotel and you have five bars and you walk through and you have a seamless experience, and that's because they've done a, a you know good wireless network in the hotel. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean, so. And is this something where you would need to switch wireless networks and use their SIM card to do it, though, or is this something if you're that if you're your doing if you're intelligently well, this is the the difference, but one of the differences between like Wi-Fi and cellular is a cellular uses a SIM card like that, and that's mm-hmm. where a lot of the handoff and authentication and logging in all that occurs off the SIM card. Uh, Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. there tends to be a, a human typing something in. Let me ask you a question. I was in, I was just got back from New York and I was in the airport mm. and there were lots of this was in uh, JFK. Yeah. And I noticed a lot of SIM card vending machines. Yeah. yeah. Uh as somebody who doesn't operate in this mm. space at all, I just have my phone or terminal. Yeah. Um what are people like like is a SIM card vending machine a thing that a regular person knows what to do with and wants. Is this only for international travel? Like what? No. So it's just uh, doing. You ever, you ever watch like a TV show and people have burner phones? Of course. Yeah, well, burner phone. Imagine like it's a it's a phone that it's really difficult to get the SIM in and out of. So you just get the whole fucking phone and you throw the phone away. But the thing right. you're fundamentally burning is the SIM. Um, and and you could do that for a number of reasons. So let's say for example, um, um. Uh, you you go into the you can go into the airport. You can buy one of those sims. You could pop the sim out of your iPhone, pop that sim in, and then like uh, you know, prank call an old friend, and then take the sim out, and throw it away. It's got its own phone number on it and a certain number of minutes and all of that. So it's just a prepaid cell phone. It just happens to be this a sim. That's all. So, and uh, yeah, if somebody flies here from another country and they land here, they want to go grab just one grab of one sure. of those. Now, what that means is. Um, so like my Samsung, so, so iPhones are not historically multi-SIM, but some things like my, my Samsung S20 is dual SIM. Um, and you can, and historically what you can do is you can have, let's say you have the SIM card that you have today, where you have the phone number that you have today. And then you can have another SIM card in there that's for a brand, a totally different cell phone number. So instead of having two cell phones with two SIM cards, you can put two SIM cards in one. And so what's nice mm-hmm. about some of the Android phones, for example, is I can always walk around with my phone and my normal phone package from T-Mobile and that kind of thing. But I can land in an airport, grab a SIM card, drop it in, and then make phone calls off of that SIM card and off of those minutes and then just throw it away when I'm done and move on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you can do things like get a call from somebody, hit decline because it's your normal phone, and then call them back from the new number on the new things and it's just a local SIM and... It's just a, a way to like avoid roaming costs and other things. Sure. And so people then they end up doing the same thing for IoT devices and thermostats and robots and you know cars that you know connect over cellular fundamentally have a SIM in them too. It's just it's just for that right. kind of stuff. Now I think specifically on the AWS five G, it's very predictable they would do this um, because uh, you know the people that really started moving in this space was Microsoft, like when they did the acquisition of Affirmed into private LTE and private 5G and private cores and, you know, so everything else like that. Um, it is fair to say that enterprise customers out there uh, are looking to evolve what they're doing from a wireless networking perspective. 
Uh, and they're looking for that to be multi-protocol and multi-standard and multi-band and cover things more than just the smartphones and the offices, having a better in-building experience and that type of thing like that. There's clearly enterprise demand for that. Uh, because of that enterprise demand is even what Microsoft saw and why they started acquiring things and building things and launching products in that space. I think it's very natural that AWS, uh, the number one cloud provider, where Microsoft's like number two, uh, would respond with very similar in-kind products. Makes a ton of sense. And at least in the U.S., which I say all the time, because there's even elements in what AWS talks about from a CBRS perspective and, and, and those types of things, I think this right now is a very U.S., specific offering, particularly if it hits things like CBRS, because that's that's US only, uh, you know, in there. And I think as you and I have talked about before, for the United States of America, when it comes to like private 5G and private 6G and all this sort of stuff and how that's going to look in the United States, um, there's either it's either up for the clouds, Amazon, Microsoft, Google to go get, or it's Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile to go get, or the guys that are in between, which are the tower guys, right? So, I mean, American Tower, Crown Castle, mm -hmm. SBA, you know, that that type of thing. Um, I believe that in the United States, the people that are likely to come up with the most compelling private 5G and enterprise wireless story connected to the cloud is currently, it has been Microsoft, and now it's Microsoft and AWS, which makes a lot of sense. We'll see if Google steps up in this space or not. Um, and I think it's really up to theirs to execute on more so, sadly, than Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile in the United States. Um, and then the, the issue with the tower guys in between is they only have the assets they have, and they don't have all assets. And so the three tower guys don't coordinate in a way that you even have that multi-cloud options with the cloud people and even how you have multi-operator and roaming options at the operators, you don't have similar constructs for the guys that are in the middle at all. So how they would basically deal with sort of that. Um, and so um, um, I'd say to the AWS announcement, uh, of course. I mean, how do, they, mm -hmm. how do you not? It was one example in their portfolio that Microsoft was doing and they weren't. So why not? Um, and, uh, and those were, um, you know, I don't have a lot of time today, Dan. So I literally got to wrap up over the next minute or yeah. two. Uh, we were just covering those two big news items. I mean, everybody's asking me in particular, as somebody who, you know, was not an Ericsson lifer that went off to Sweden and spent, you know, four years there, what I thought about the Vonage stuff. And then, uh, and yeah. clearly, you know, the AWS things, you know, I mean, it's just what they do at reinvents amazing. I mean, it's just literally, like, you know, I mean, my God, what a juggernaut. That's crazy. Yeah. All right, but you do have to go. So if you want to get in touch with Jason and, and not just bubbly, anyone can get in touch yeah. with you. You don't have to be bubbly. <laughs> can reach you at Jason H on Twitter. Yeah. And you know what? Dean, Dean, bubbly. Dean's invited, Dean's to, invited the show. to the show. And, and is literally the, the first person that called us out on Twitter in a way that we went ahead and responded yeah. to has won a free bottle of bubbly. <laughs> what? I love All right, it. Such Jason, a, this is, uh, I love Dean. Yeah. it's great. He's a good guy. 
Good guy. It's you know you know what's great is 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 people that are authentically themselves, and they have a mm-hmm. very good habit of telling the truth all the time. I I, mm-hmm. I, I, I I like people like that. You know where mm-hmm. you're like you know what? Doesn't matter what you are or what this and that, but I know what I'm going to get. And you always say something where I go, ah, you know that sounds like the truth. I love that. And who doesn't love that? And with that, thank you so much, Dave. Thank you, Jason. We'll talk again next Absolutely. week.